Hello, I'm Quinn. And I'm Alex. And we're A Couple couple of of Characters. characters. We discuss topics related to creating characters for role-playing games. This is part two of a four-part series of episodes about the basics of D&D 5e. In part one, we discussed an overview of role-playing games in general and the basics of 5th edition D&D. And in this part, we are going to be discussing the basics of combat in 5th edition. All right, so now we're going to talk about combat. Yeah, come at me, bro. (laughs) So the first thing we'll talk about in combat are hit points or HP and hit dice. HP determines how tough your character is in combat. They represent a combination of your physical and mental durability and your will to live. They're determined by your hit dice and your con modifier or mod. And each class has a, they get a certain type of die. For example, wizards are on the low end and can get a d6, and barbarians have the highest with a d12. Hit dice are literally different valued dice, and you get one per level of your character. So at first level, you get one hit die, and then you add your con mod to the maximum value of that die, and that's your HP max at level 1. So if I was, for example, a level 1 barbarian with a 16 con score, my HP would be 15 because 12 plus 3 is 15. And then what would it be at level 2? Well, as you level up, you get more hit dice and therefore more HP. So at higher levels, you either roll the hit die to determine how many HP you've gained or take the average die roll. We usually just take the average when we play because it is very disappointing if you would roll a 1. Mm-hmm. So the average of a d12 would be 7, and I still add my con modifier at each level, which is 3, so I'd be adding 10. So I would now have 25 HP at second level. I've also seen or heard of people that will let you roll the hit die, but then if you roll a 1 or a 2, you get a re-roll because it's no fun to gain like 2 health. Right. So actually for my game, what I did was that you would roll the die, and if you got less than average, you take the average. Otherwise, you took what you rolled. That's a good method. Mm -hmm. Makes hardier characters. Exactly. And hit dice can also be used during a short rest to gain back HP in between long rests. Think of a long rest as just sleeping for the night, and a short rest is just doing low-level activities without traveling for an hour, like cooking a meal. And all creatures have HP, including the monsters you fight, And the more HP a creature has, the more difficult it is to kill. And a creature's HP can be at most its HP max, all the way down to zero. And your HP value changes as you take damage or receive healing. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. I was also going to mention quick that you also don't go negative in this game. So in other role-playing games, you can go negative HP, but in 5th edition D&D... You just go to zero unless you are killed outright, which we'll talk about in a second. Yes. Now we're going to talk about armor class or AC. This represents how well your character can avoid being hit in battle. Your AC is determined by the armor you wear, if you use a shield, and your dex mod. Though some classes can't use armor or shields at all. Um, There are also spells and certain magic items that can boost your AC too. So now, um, in addition to armor, there's weapons. Um, so there are melee weapons, which are close range weapons, and ranged weapons, um... Which are not close range weapons. Yeah, ranged weapons which can hit things farther away. So, 
Melee weapons use your strength ability unless they have the finesse ability, like a rapier, and those can use either your strength or your dex. And ranged weapons, like a longbow, use dex unless they can be thrown, in which case they use strength. Yeah, like and a javelin. You, you might ask, like, okay, well, if I can use dex for melee and range, why wouldn't I just max that out? Some of the weapons that hit a little harder or use, like, D12s or 2D6 for damage are going to need your strength. Yeah, and they're melee-only weapons, like we said. And also, some classes, like a barbarian, they get a special thing where they get bonuses to attacks, but they have to be a melee attack. Yeah, we did discuss this briefly on our episode about a character that uses a net. (laughs) This is true. It caused a lot of problems for Gideon. Yep. So the next thing that we have to cover is initiative. And this is a role in which you roll for initiative. And this is whenever a combat starts. So you'll roll a d20. You'll add your dexterity bonus. And potentially some classes let you add a couple other things. But most of them are just dexterity bonus. Yeah. And your DM will literally say... Let's roll for initiative or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then that will determine the order of combat. So if you got a, let's say you have a plus two to dexterity. If you roll a 12, your initiative would be 14, 12 plus two. Right. And then everyone takes their turn in order from highest um, total value to lowest. And then combat progresses in rounds. And then a combat round ends when everyone has had a turn at which point the creature with the highest initiative goes again, and then you repeat until the combat's over. Yeah, so if you think about each round is just one six-second chunk. So even though I get a turn, you get a turn, Quinn gets a turn, and the DM gets a turn, it's still all happening like basically simultaneously. It's just who can act a little faster is what initiative is telling us. Exactly. All right, so we talked about rounds of combat and how to determine your turn order. Now let's talk about what you can actually do on your turn. So you can only accomplish so much during six seconds. So during your turn, you can... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You don't know know how much I can do in six seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So during your turn, you can do the following things in any order. Move up to your speed, which is determined by your race and class. Take an action. Take a bonus action. Communicate with other creatures. And interact with one item or feature of the environment. Yeah, so most of the things you'll do on your turn are actions or bonus actions. And moving, you can break up between actions and bonus actions. So you can move 10 feet, take an action, then move the rest of your speed. Right, and you can even do that with, um, so like, I'll just give a quick example before I talk more about actions. So let's say you take the attack action and you're a level 5 fighter, so you have two attacks when you take the attack action. You can walk up to something, attack it. With your movement. Right. Then you draw your weapon as an interaction. Right. And then you hit this creature. Let's say you knock it unconscious or kill it, whatever. And then you walk away from them to another creature and then attack them. And then you might as well shout at someone just so you do everything on the list. You shout, get them. That's right. So some examples of actions you can take on your turn are attack, like I said. Dodge another creature's attack. Make an ability check, like opening a stuck door. 
dash, which is moving up to your speed again, or cast a spell. Yep. You can also ready an action, which means you wait to take your action until a certain thing triggers your action. This uses your reaction, which we'll talk about in a second, and a possible action you could ready is attacking a foe when they get within range of your sword. So I could say, I would like to ready an attack for when the skeleton gets within melee range of me. Yeah, a ready to action is really just you tell the DM, if X, then I will do Y. Yes. And then bonus actions are used for various class features and some spells. And then you can also take a reaction once per round as an instantaneous response to something another creature does in their turn. So, like, if somebody who you were just fighting in melee with walks away from you, you can attack them with an opportunity attack if they move out of the way. Um, Or there's a spell called shield where you can use your reaction to put up a shield to increase your AC for one round if you're hit with something. Yeah, so the important thing about reactions is if you don't see on your character sheet anything that says reaction, you probably can't take one unless you get that opportunity attack. Right. Which is the most common reaction. Yes. Okay, so one of the most common actions that you'll take on your turn is to make an attack roll. So this means you see a skeleton, you decide you want to attack it, so you... Either if you're in melee, you'll make your attack roll using strength and probably your proficiency bonus. So you roll the d20 and add that stuff. You could shoot at the skeleton from further away with your ranged weapon. Or the other thing that you could do is cast a spell. Um, And there's a lot of spells that use attack rolls as well. So like a firebolt, which is a cantrip. Right. So whenever you want to make an attack on your turn, you'll choose a target. You'll determine what modifiers to add, roll your d20 and add them, and then see if you meet or beat their AC. So if that number that you roll is equal to their AC or higher, then you will hit them, and if not, then you will miss. And then there's also a special thing on attack rolls that if you roll a 20 on the d20, that is called a critical hit or a critical success, And that will let you hit no matter what the bonus is. So if their AC is 25 and your bonus is plus 3, so you roll 20 plus 3 is only 23, you still hit because it's a critical hit. And then you should probably run from that foe. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Yes, but the cool thing is if you get a critical hit is you get to roll double the damage dice. Yeah, so if you're rolling normally a D12 for that um, great axe, then you get to roll two d12s and add the same strength bonus. So you only get the strength bonus once, but you get two dice. Right. And then there's also the opposite side of that is a critical fail or a uh, one on the d20. And that would mean that you miss even if your bonuses would let you hit them based on their AC. So if you roll a one and are adding nine and their AC is only eight, you would still miss even though that number is technically higher than their AC just because uh, you failed so badly. Right. And some Dungeon Masters and some games um, will have you have like a kind of like a fumble if you roll a crit fail. So like maybe you'll drop your sword or maybe you'll shoot an ally instead of that was near the target. But Yeah, or you'll shoot an arrow 
so far away or of course whatever into the woods that you won't be able to recover it later or you could break your bow or something if Mm -hmm. it's like that bad but that is usually discussed ahead of time with the dm and you'll know if those are going to happen or not in most games i have played i don't think we've done that yeah sometimes when i would dm i would have something happen for flavor reasons but if i was going to have something happen i usually would let them know beforehand like right, recently like, when we were playing, I'd say you have one shot to try to pick this lock, meaning that like if you don't succeed, you're going to break what you're picking the lock with. Yeah. And then she rolled a one. So I was like, well, it broke. And mm-hmm. guess what? Now that lock is jammed and you can't <laughs> pick it at all. Yeah. <laughs> now um, we're going to talk about the rules about ranged attacks. So when you're making a ranged attack, you can only aim for targets within a specified range. Hence the name ranged attacks. So spells have a single range where you can't attack anyone beyond that range. Ranged weapons have two ranges listed, a normal range and a long range. The smaller number listed would be the normal range, and any attacks beyond the normal range have disadvantage, and attacks beyond the long range you just can't hit. So if I'm throwing a dagger and the range is 2060, if I throw a dagger between 10 because I can't I'd have disadvantage if I threw it at five feet. Yeah, because we'll get there in a second. (laughs) Right. Um, But if I threw it between 10 and 20 feet, it's normal. But if I throw it between 20 and 60, I have to roll with disadvantage, and I cannot hit anything further than 60 feet away from me. Yeah, if you attack it and it's 70 feet away and you have disadvantage and you roll two nat 20s, you still missed. (laughs) <laughs> yep, because it is literally impossible for it to go that far. Yeah, and basically... You're fighting just, physics at that point. You yep. can't really... You can't be physics, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, some examples of ranged weapons include bows and crossbows. And as we mentioned, if you try to make a ranged attack and you have a foe standing within five feet of you, or within melee of you, you have disadvantage on any ranged attacks. Because you have someone standing right next to you trying to hit you, probably... And that's going to be distracting. It's going to be hard to try to pull your bow back and hit someone further away if there's someone standing right where you want your elbow to be. Yeah, and that counts for any target that you're trying to aim at, not just the person within five feet of you, but any other target as well. It took me a long time to understand that rule. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. There's a lot of rules here. That's why we're trying to help the people learn them and get the basics down. Yes. Alex, you want to talk about melee attacks? Typically, most of the melee weapons that you use will have a range of five feet. So if you are within five feet of a creature, then you can make a melee attack at them. But some weapons, like a glaive or halberd, will have a reach feature, which will let you do an attack from ten feet. So now you can be a little further away, but still make that attack. Uh, Bugbears also have the reach feature because they have long limbs. And we talked about that in our episode with Harper called, Mm -hmm. oh, now there's there's a a car. car. Yeah, so basically for a melee attack, you got to be right next to them or within 10 feet, which is still pretty close if you're in a fight. (laughs) Right. And some other examples of melee weapons are swords and hammers. Clubs. Yes. Also, if you don't have a weapon, you can try to make an unarmed attack. Which is like just trying to punch something or, I guess, slap someone really hard. Yeah. And most creatures are not very good at making unarmed attacks. 
I mean, I think they're proficient if you're proficient with simple weapons because it's on the simple weapon list. It's on no, the No, no, I agree that it is. I'm saying most people don't. Oh, but you just do one damage. That's or one it... plus strength is the bad part. Yes, that's that's the problem. That's so, why I said they're not very good at making them. But if you want to punch things, uh, Monk is probably your best choice for uh, class because they are very good at punching things. Yes, among other things. They're good at very, very many things. They're probably just the best class. Like, if you want to get a cool feature, like, every level, be a monk. <laughs> and if you're like me and you don't want so many features that you're going to forget, don't play a monk. <laughs> or probably a druid. Yeah. All right, what's our next thing, Quinn? All right, the next thing, which we already talked about a bit, but we're going to talk about again, are opportunity attacks. So, a special kind of attack you can make is called an opportunity attack. These attacks are performed just like a normal melee attack. And again, they have to be a melee attack. Um, but they use your reaction. So, you can make them when a foe willingly moves out of your reach. So, if you have that skeleton right next to you and it decides to leave and go attack someone else, or even try to run away without disengaging, then you can try to hit it. Yeah, so disengage is an action that you can take, or for some classes, it's a bonus action. And this will let you leave people's melee area without provoking opportunity attacks. Right. And don't forget that opportunity attacks are not just for the player characters, but they are for monsters as well. So if you are next to that skeleton and you walk away before it's dead, it will probably take a swipe at you with its reaction. Right. And skeletons aren't super heavy hitters, but if you're a low level, it, they can do a number on you. Yeah, I mean, if you're level 20, you can walk away from the skeleton. But if you're level 1, I would probably disengage first or kill it before you run. <laughs> this, yes. All right, now that we've talked about making an attack, we're going to talk about damage. Okay, so damage is where we get to add in all of our other dice that we bought. I bought... 30 dice, Alex, and only two of them are G20s. What am I supposed to do with these other ones? Well, don't worry. The other 28 will be used here. So damage is going to be an effect um, that you get after an attack on the enemy. So basically, you'll roll the damage dice and add, if you're doing a melee attack, you'll add your strength bonus. If you're doing a ranged attack, you'll add your dexterity bonus to the damage, and that'll be the damage. Weapons, spells, and other abilities specify how much damage they deal, and when the attack hits, you, the damage dice are rolled, and then whatever modifiers that you might add are added to it. And if it adds a modifier, it's the same modifier that was used during the attack roll. So if I am using a longsword, that uses strength. If I hit, I will take whatever the total is of the damage dice, plus my strength mod. The only difference for the bonus would be you don't get to add your proficiency bonus to damage. Correct. But you do get to add that ability modifier because you were proficient. So if you try to use a weapon that you aren't proficient in, you obviously don't get to add the proficiency bonus to the attack roll, but you also don't get to add that extra ability bonus mod to the damage if you happen to hit. Mm-hmm. And damage bonuses can be granted by special abilities like a Barbarian's Rage or magic weapons. And there are different types of damage. So there are um, three categories. There's physical, elemental, 
and then like a miscellaneous category. Right. So the three types of physical damage are bludgeoning, which is like, you know, punching or hitting with a club, piercing, which is like a bow and arrow or a rapier, and slashing, so like a longsword or a scimitar. Right. And these are the physical damages, and so these three just are the normal that you'll get from any weapon. Yeah. Or will be one of those three. Yeah, like it's dealt by weapons, or maybe a monster's claws, or an unarmed punch. Mm-hmm. Another type is elemental damage, which is dealt by spells, some creatures with special abilities, and some magical weapons. This type includes acid, cold, fire, lightning, poison, and thunder. And an example of elemental damage would be a dragon's fiery breath weapon. And then the last one is a miscellaneous category, which these ones kind of don't fit with the other two, but they don't necessarily fit together that well. So we have radiant damage, which is like holy damage. Necrotic, which is kind of the opposite, where you are kind of draining life from something. There's force damage, which is just like getting hit by a spell. And then there's psychic damage, which afflicts the mind these four types of damage are typically caused by spells some monsters have features that let them use them or magic weapons as well or other special abilities you might have yep and then an example of uh, one of these damages would be that the magic missile spell does force damage so that's a way you could do some force damage right and taking damage doesn't affect a creature besides subtracting those hit points from their total, until it drops to zero HP, which we'll get to in a second. And by a second, I mean a couple minutes. So the main reason to be aware of what type of damage something does is that some creatures and abilities will give people resistance, vulnerability, or immunity to different types of damages. So if a creature is immune to a type of damage, let's say, let's go back to that red dragon and their fire breath, they are probably immune to fire damage. So that means that they will take none of the damage that you would normally do for an attack that does fire damage. There's also resistance, which would mean they take half damage. And again, we always run down. And then if you're vulnerable, like let's say I'm fighting a plant and I'm using fire damage. Damage. A tree ant. Yes, a tree ant. A giant. Like, they're like the... Um, they're like the ants Ent- from Lord of the Rings. Nope. Ants. Ent. Ants. a two-headed giant thing. Yep. So they're like ants from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And they are vulnerable to fire damage, which means they take double damage. It's like wood can be burned or something. It's I don't kinda, get it's it. It's weird. And a common resistance that creatures have is the resistance to to non-magical physical damage so if you're trying to just hit them with a regular sword they might like they'd only take half damage in order to overcome this resistance to non-magical physical damage i would have to use a weapon that has the magical property all right so now that we've talked about damage we'll talk about its inverse which is healing so damage is never permanent unless it results in death and even that isn't usually permanent Um, you do need a very powerful magic user to reverse death and it's very expensive monetarily but it is possible so the two ways that you can regain hp are through rests which we talked about earlier and magic the magical methods are spells like a cure wound spell or potions of healing and whenever a creature regains hp those 
hit points are added to their current HP, though your HP can never exceed your max HP. So if I lost 5 HP and my ally heals me for 10, I can only gain back 5 hit points because that was all I was missing. And if you die, you can't regain back any HP until you're brought back to life. And if you drop to 0 HP, you either die instantly or fall unconscious. Yes, yeah, so if you drop to 0 HP, so let's say that you take a let's say you take 20 damage and you had 10 health left. Now you drop to 0 HP and you would start making what are called death saving throws or death saves unless that extra damage killed you outright. So if you had only 8 max HP and you take 20 damage, then the extra damage past what brought you to 0 would exceed your maximum HP and then you would just die right away from that damage. Right, so when we say the extra damage, we mean... The damage after you were reduced to zero, whatever that total is left, if it equals or exceeds your max HP, you're dead. Yeah, let's just use easy numbers here. I yeah, have so like let's say five max health points. It's very low. Sure. I'm a wizard with negative con. That's fine. Whatever. Got five HP. We I take, take 12 damage. Yep. So five. Bring me to zero. Subtract 12. We're zero. There's seven left. Seven is greater than five. That wizard is dead. Oof. But I loved him. Yeah, he was really squishy. <laughs> sure was. <laughs> so as we said, if you hit zero hit points and you didn't die, you fall unconscious instead. And if you start your turn and you're unconscious, you start making death saves. This is where fate comes in and luck because this is a straight d20 roll that does not add anything to it. So, Alex, how do I get out of this unconscious state? Right, so either way, you're going to need either three failures or three successes, or a couple other ways, or sure. actually just one other well, way. Well, okay. <laughs> you, the, yes, the other way to come out of that is you get healed. If oh, you regain yeah. hit points and you were at zero, you're no longer unconscious. Yep. And your death saves are wiped clean, so you just start over if you fall unconscious again. Right. So on my turn, I roll a d20 to make my death save. If I get a 9 or lower, I fail. And if I get a 10 or higher, I succeed. And if I get to three failures, I will die. Mm -hmm. If I get to three successes, I will stabilize. And stabilize just means that you're on the battlefield, unconscious still, but you're not dying any longer. Right, you're not at risk of bleeding out. There's also something special that happens if you roll a 1 or a 20. Do you want to talk about that, Glenn? I would love nothing more. Alright, so some special effects happen if you roll a 20 or a 1. If you roll a 20, you instantly regain consciousness and 1 HP, and you no longer need to make death saves. That's pretty cool. However, if you roll a 1, that automatically counts as two failed saves. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Another way to fail save is to take damage while you're at 0 HP. So, if you're laying on the ground and you have a very aggressive thing fighting you and they attack you, like let's say we're fighting some wolves and they're very hungry so they want to attack me. They scratch at me and I'm unconscious. I take damage. That counts as a fail. But because I was unconscious and laying there... It was a critical hit, and because it was a critical hit, I fail two saves instead. 
and if the damage exceeds your HP max, again, you suffer instant death. In any melee attack, so an attack within five feet, made to an unconscious creature is an automatic critical hit. And then, one last important thing, let's say that you rolled your three death saves and you got to three successes, so you're stable. If you take damage again, whether it's a wolf that's biting you or a fireball that explodes near your body, you're going to have to start making death saves again on your turn and you will take that fail from the damage. Right. Unless, of course, you suffered instant death, in which case you die. Good point. <laughs> that, we should just end the episode right here. You die. You died. Episode over. It's like a choose your own adventure and at the end of everything is just you died. Yeah. I used to go back in this book all the time. I'd save my page. <laughs> I don't want to die. Cheated. Let me retry. No, no, no. I mulliganed. Okay. So, in addition to healing you through the use of spells or potions, an ally can also attempt to stabilize you, which Alex mentioned at some point earlier. I remember he said it. For so, sure, I did. Yeah. So, what they do is they use their action to make a medicine check. That's when we mentioned it. And they succeed if they get at least a 10 total on their check. And then, again, if you're stabilized, though, and you took any damage, you still have, you have to start making saves again. Also for damage, DMs usually just have monsters die as soon as they drop to zero HP instead of making them roll saves, just because it makes it faster. But if you're fighting a really powerful villain, like the big boss of a story arc, they might have them make saves, though. You can also choose to knock a creature out when you drop it to zero hit points. So you can choose to do non-lethal damage, and that way you will just knock them um, unconscious, and they will be stable, and not need to make death saves instead of killing them outright. And we talked about this a little bit more during our pacifist episode. Yeah, episode four, you want a piece of me. And also, you have to make the choice when you're dealing the damage. Yeah, you can't go back on it like, oh, I stabbed them. And then, okay, they die. No, wait, wait, wait. I didn't stab them lethally. Exactly. A great example of this is in um, The Adventure Zone when Travis's character, Magnus, he says, I cleft him in twain. And then he's like, wait, I didn't want to kill him. And he's like, (laughs) Griffin was like, you literally said you cleft him in twain. You can't go back from that. Like, you cut him in half. Like, you did it. Mm -hmm. You got to think about that before. Yeah, and I would also say that you can only do non-lethal damage from a melee attack. So if you're shooting a ranged weapon or doing a spell that's ranged, you can't do non-lethal spell or ranged damage. Right, that is true. I mean, you could probably work something out with your DM to get like maybe if you're like blunt arrows or something, knock people out. Yeah, or you're like a really good sharpshooter or whatever, and you know like exactly how to hit someone. Yeah. It'd be tough. It'd be a conversation with your dungeon master. I agree. Like, I think, though, like, as an example, if you were a rogue with the assassin archetype, I feel like you might be able to have a better shot of making that argument. Because, like, you're you're, like, I know how to kill people. But if you're an assassin, why would you not want to kill them? That's my. They had a change of heart. That's why they're adventuring. False. They are assassins. (laughs) Not all assassins. But then there's also another kind of HP called temp HP. Oh, Alex, would you like to tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So temporary HP or THP, as some people say, 
is confuses me every time. I'm like, what? Okay, so temp HP is a thing that you can get from some spells or different abilities. And this is different from your regular HP. So you can get temp HP from a source and you keep it until either the spell ends or you take a rest. So either a short rest or a long rest, you'll lose any temp HP you have left. And whenever you take damage and you have temp HP, the temp HP is taken away first. So if I have 5 temp HP and I take 7 damage, I'll take away those 5 temp HP and then 2 from my regular hit point pool. Right, and as Alex said, because they aren't regular HP, they go into a separate pool, and they're just a way to protect you from more damage. And then the last thing about temp HP is that if you get it from multiple sources, so let's say you cast a spell that gives you 5 temp HP, and then Quinn tries to give you 7 temp HP, you would not get 12. You would either choose to keep the 5 you already have, or you could take the 7 from Quinn. And you would just have whichever one you had. Right. Also, temp HP can allow you to have more HP than your max. So if you were at full health and your ally gives you 5 temp HP, you technically have 5 extra HP. They're not normal HP, but they're an extra buffer, as we've said. And if you are at zero hit points, you cannot gain temp HP. So if you're unconscious, you can't get temp HP to get back up. Right. You have to receive regular HP from either a healing spell or from a potion. Yep. So you have to have at least one regular HP to get temp HP. And that concludes part two of our four-part series about the basics of D&D 5e. In part three, we'll discuss spellcasting. I need a short rest. (laughs) Let's roll some hit dice. We're getting low on our reserves here. You can find more information about our show at a couple of com. Have ideas or feedback or need help creating your next character? Email us at a couple of characterspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ACOC Podcast. We'd like to thank John Began for composing our theme music. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, give us one of those five-star reviews or tell a friend or do both. Or tell your friend to give us a five-star review. That would be next level. <laughs> yeah, and if you do leave a review and actually write something, we'll read it on the show. Unless it's really mean and then we'll just ignore it. Oh, I mean, we'll still read it, but then we'll just be sad. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to make us cry, do you? You monsters. Another way to support us is by becoming a Patreon donor. Just search ACOC Podcast. And we just put up a new goal, which is to earn $40 a month so that we can pay for a transcription service. And transcribing each episode by ourselves is a really time-intensive process, which is why we're behind on them. And we want our show to be accessible to everyone, including those who are deaf or hard of hearing. If you want to otherwise support our show, you can always do so by going to bookshop.org slash shop slash ACOC podcast. And with that affiliate link, any books that you buy will give us 10% of the purchase price, as well as a local bookstore of your choice will get 10% too. You can also support us by purchasing gift cards on bookshop.org. Mm-hmm. And that should be on our page as well. Yes. You can find me on Twitter at Alex and Winterland. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Not a Dr. Quinn. Thanks for listening. Keep on rolling.
So for example, wizards are on the low end and they get a d6, and wizards have the highest with a d12. You said wizard both times? Well, fuck. Can I just quick ask, what were you going to talk about? No. Okay. Caught everything. Okay. Start up. Start the episode over. So. <laughs> yep. A spooky desk. A spooky box. Yeah. I hit a spooky box. You did. A spooky box.